0: Alright, let's get our Bibles and let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, and we're going to be in verses 19 through 21 this morning. And if you have your bulletin, uh, we have a basic outline of the passage here. We're going to talk about music this morning. And If you look there, you kind of see the title or the subject, what kind of music should Christians listen to. Now, if you haven't noticed, there are instruments to my Right and left here. So we're going to go through and see what does the Bible say about music? What does the Bible say about music? And before we get going, I just want to say it's good to see some of our Faham College friends this morning. had the opportunity to hang out with you guys on their Monday night student chapel this week, so some of them have decided to come join us this morning. Let's let them know that we're glad to hear. Good to have you guys. But before we talk about music, I just want to mention a couple of things before we get going. Now, some of you who have been members here for a while, if you look around, you you notice that there are more people here recently. Okay? All right. Now, normally, there are several reactions that people who have gone to a church for a long time will have with new people coming. The first here would be to withdraw in social awkwardness. Let me give an example. Have you ever been to a party or maybe you're at a new job or you're going away to college and you go into a room and there are people that you don't know? How many of you sense a little bit of possible social awkwardness there? My hand is raised. Like, I don't know these people. You know, they may think I'm weird. I may think they're weird. That may be for some people in church who've been here many times or who may be a member, to withdraw in social awkwardness to say, well, I don't know who that person is, so it's one of these types of reactions. Secondly, is to worry about being displaced. For example, some people who have been a member of a church for many years, they may have the pastor or the deacons confide in them, or they're kind of known as a leader, and if they see new people coming in who may be passionate about Jesus Christ as they are, instead of being excited, there could be the tendency to say, I'm going to worry about me becoming a little fish in a big pond, as opposed to a big fish in a little pond. Are we okay this morning? Now think through this with me. There's a third reaction. The first would be to withdraw. Second would be to worry about being displaced, and the third would be to kind of wince and say, "Well, it's okay, you know, if there are new people, I think that's good." And if the church grows, if we see people get saved and sinners repent and men and women turn from their sin and become born again, that's okay, but I'm just going to kind of sit back with my religious, (laughs) y'all know this happens, right? I'm going to sit back with my religious checklist to make sure that everything, that the church grows in the way that I think that it should. That's another reaction. Finally, the right action that all of us should have whenever we see someone get saved is that we should worship and praise God. God. It says in Scripture in Luke chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus says there is more rejoicing, there's more joy in heaven over one what? One sinner, and we're all sinners, we have to come to that place of repentance, over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons. The meaning there is a lot of people who don't think they need God. So, What I pray that our reaction would be is that whenever we see someone saved, when you see a new person, this is how you know what your reaction is. How you treat that person. For example, this may be tough for some of you, but if you come in every week and sit down in the same spot and do this with your bulletin, you tell me what your reaction is towards a new person. Being honest. I've been told, Jeff, you're not supposed to say that kind of stuff, but I can't help it. But if we truly love people and we truly love the Lord, we will see every person that out of their own free will or if they've got a husband or a wife who has literally drugged them to church, there's carpet burns on their feet. Even for somebody who's been drugged to church. I don't even know English teachers if that's the right way to say it. Drugged, dragged, who cares? You know what I'm talking about. Even for those, we see each person as a person who has been divinely created by God. Not in the sense that we are God, but God is the one who has knit us together in our mother's womb... He has given us a spirit and a soul. He knows how many hairs are on each one of our heads. He has died for that person. And that is a person who God loves and He cares for. And praise God, He's brought people to us. So the question is, are we going to react in a worrisome way and an insecure way? Or are we going to just say, God, let me invest my life in people. Amen. Before we move on, one other thing. Some people say, man, it's Jeff, it's so good to see more people coming because, you know, there, there, there are more seats being, being filled up. Well, do we get excited over seats being filled up so that we can feel good about our church? That right there. If it's our church, if it's my church, then who's in control? Whose church is this? God's. Guess whose church this is not, even though I'm the pastor. This is not my church. I've been given the responsibility of leading us to reach people for the gospel. But we should not get excited because there are simply more people here because it makes us feel better about ourselves. We should be excited because the kingdom of God is being extended in Franklin County. I want you to write down this statement, or if you have an audible memory, please remember this. We become what we worship. Incredible book written on this subject those of you scholars, it deals with Old Testament idolatry and the fact that the Jews worshipped idols that could not speak and they could not hear, which is why in the New Testament you see Jesus constantly talking about those who have eyes that do not see and ears who do not hear, in the sense that if we put our devotions in something, that, that thing, whatever we idolize, whatever we worship, changes us to, in a sense, be like it. So I say that to say that if we have something like this, instruments up here, if we worship a certain style of music, whether that be contemporary or traditional, we will become mad and upset and incensed whenever the style changes instead of saying, am I worshiping God? And somebody will say, hold on Jeff, before we read this text, I want to be reverent in worship. Get an amen on that, alright? Reverence is spoken of in the Bible. It's, it, it's good. But we've got to be very careful that we don't confuse reverence with rigor mortis say, what is that? You ever been riding down the road and you see uh, an armadillo who had a collision with an SUV? He's kind of there, up in the air, just just prostrate. We've got to be very careful in the church that we don't associate deadness or boringness with reverence. In fact, we're going to look at some passages in the Old Testament today that many church people all across uh, America, they would say Man, I, how can they be reverent in doing that? We're, we're going to talk about like, Let me just get, let it out. We're going to talk about music and dancing today. Y'all ready for this? All right. One more thing. Some people say, now, Jeff. Now, senior citizens, I want to let y'all know the way some people talk about y'all. Not here. You know what I've been told by people? Even pastors. They say, now, Jeff, you just don't want to change things. And make the old people mad. That's what some folks say about the senior citizens. And some of y'all are looking around like, I don't know who's a senior citizen. It's sure not me. You know, and you're you're pushing. You know, you're pushing the digits, but it's all right. So seriously, though, when people say that, let's ask the question and examine that. And by the way, we're, we're not talking about changing the way we do anything. We're just going to take a look today at what does the Bible say about instruments and music. That's what we're going to do. What does the Bible say? But if you take a person, for example, who got saved when they were, let's say, 30 years old, and they're 70 years old. When they were 30, they saw themselves as a sinner who was going to hell without any hope. And they, through the grace and mercy of God, saw themselves as being separated from God. They turned from their sin by the grace of God. And Jesus Christ changed their life. He filled them with the power of His Holy Spirit. And they let's say they're 70 years old today. They have had 40 years of walking with Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing? 40 years of reading God's Word and saying, man, God's Word really hit me between the eyes on that one. I need to watch what I say. Or when they come to church and they hear a message on giving, they say, you know what? I've had a heart that's been selfish and greedy. I need to be more giving with my time or my money, what have you. By the time they're 70, you see the fruit of 40 years of the grace of God. But if you have a person who claims to have been saved at 30... But at 70, they've not really been changed since they were 30. It begs the question, what kind of Christianity does that 70-year-old actually have? Are they worshiping? Let me just be very honest. Are they worshiping the way the deacons stand when they give communion? Are they focused upon whether Jeff, well, I'm glad he wore a tie this week. Some of y'all are glad. Like y'all are fired up. He wore his tie. That's right. Revival's coming, because Jesus wore a tie. So he's kind of of rolling, you know. Or they, they, they may say, you know, the order, the order of worship, bulletin, that's what we need to be about. If that's what you worship, you will become angry if anything is altered or changed. So if, here's my question, if you have a group of senior citizens who have to be coddled with Christianity that is not biblical, it begs the question, are they actually Christians at all? Very quiet. Younger students, if you've got to have things your way... If worship has to, let's let's talk about instruments. If you have to have a full band for you to be able to worship, you are not worshiping because worship is a matter of the heart. You are worshiping a system, a way, a style instead of what the music is pointing to and that is God. So we just got to be very, very honest here this morning. And I praise God for a group of senior citizens who's actually excited about people being saved. So y'all know what I get to do. I get to call some of my preacher friends and go, ha, ha, ha. Who's wrong? You are. Before we read the text, to say something about style. Some of you, a lot of y'all are like, man, where are we going to ever get in the text? A lot of this is prefaced so that we come to the text with an open mind and open heart so we understand what's going on. Some people, parents or grandparents, will tell their students who may listen to a group like Hillsong or may listen to an incredible Christian rapper like Lecrae, whose words are more doctrinally sound than some even in the hymn books, and say, turn that off. But then the parent or the grandparent will turn on the radio and listen to George Strait, I'm the fireman, going around town putting out old flames. He's talking about being a man whore. If you don't like honesty, you will not be comfortable at Rocky Mount Baptist Church. So, so here's what the here's what the students understand. They say, okay, so it's okay to listen to words. You know, Mom's over there; she's got ACDC on, she's like singing. All right, honey, we're going to church. I'm on the highway to hell. They're like, what? How, how? They're like, how does how does this how does this fit together? You know. So, so what, what they hear... Here's what they hear. What they understand is a gibson Les Paul this instrument comprised of whatever it's made of. And by the way, thanks so much to Buddy Worley uh, for letting me borrow many of these instruments up here. But, for example, a piano or an organ is Holy. But the words don't matter at all. So what students see is blatant hypocrisy. You see now Jeff, are you picking on country music? No. When I was in high school, that's all I listened to. I wanted it so country and so hickey, cow mess was coming out of the speakers. When I was 16 years old, I bought Don Edwards saddle songs. My friends almost beat me to death. I mean, it's just, I, and then I got saved when I was 19. So, But what I'm saying Honestly, what I'm saying is that we've got to be very honest that we don't do this. Well, all week long, I'm going to listen to a style of music or having lyrics. And I'm going to listen and sing lyrics passionately on the ride to work that go totally contrary to the Bible. George Jones, but on the other hand, Talking about cheating on your life, you are gonna sing that the whole weekend, then come on Sunday and be like, "All right, I'll make sure that blessed be the name of the Lord." And I believe God is up there in heaven, or like angels. Are you, you guys seeing this? Is this not crazy? So, what we want to do, what we want to do, is be honest. Amen. We want to be honest and open and see what does the Bible say. Ephesians chapter. Some of y'all are. Enjoying this, some of you look honestly very angry. This is going to be great. Verse 19 of chapter Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. But what I want to do is back up to verse 17 so that we read it in context. This is what the scripture says. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine. We talked about drinking last week. If you want to catch that, we, uh, Matt was very nice. He posted the whole, uh, I think it's 17 or something pages of research that we did on that from the Bible. If you want to go download that and do it, listen to the podcast. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That means what you do when your mind is absent. Waking up with a brand new tattoo, waking up to a place that you don't remember going, but be filled with what? The Spirit. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, verse 19, addressing or speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here is the message in a sentence. The songs that we as Christians should promote and we should sing are songs to where the lyrics match the message of the gospel. And the music, the musical style matches the power of the gospel. Once again, our lyrics, what we say, should be matching and extending and illustrating and teaching the gospel. The truth of the gospel. And our music should be in accordance with that and the power of the gospel. So let me ask you a question here. If your life was a song... What kind of song would it be? Let's just contemplate this for just a moment. We're not necessarily talking about a style, all right? Some of y'all just went bluegrass, all right? But seriously, if you could put your life into a song, if you could have a master lyric writer, and that person could compose a song of your life, what would the song say? We're going to think about that as we examine. First, there in your outline in your notes, the songs that we as Christians should sing should be full of heartfelt passion. Passion. Notice there in verse 19, addressing one another in Psalms. Now, this word Psalms is a transliterated word. Now, the difference between trans, some of y'all just checked out on me, all right? This is your big word for the day. You can use this. When you pump your gas, you can be like, transliteration, what do you think about that? And they'll think you're weird, and you can invite them to church. Transliteration is when you give English letters to a Greek or a Hebrew word. For example, Christ is not actually a translated word. It's from the Greek word Christos. Well, what does Christos mean? It means the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior. In the same way, this is a transliterated word, Psalms. Now, what does a psalm actually mean? If you're going to write this down, this is absolutely huge. It literally means to twitch, to twang, to play, or the striking of musical strings. Wow. Somebody help me out. Let's go old school VBS. What did King David play to occupy his time when he was not killing large predators? He played a stringed instrument, right? A lyre or a harp by the way, not a not a lawyer, not a liar, but a L Y R E. Some of you are like, What? This is what Jesus said about the Psalms in Luke chapter twenty four, verse forty four. He said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus is saying that the Psalms, that huge book near the middle of your Bible, is full of prophecies about Jesus, and literally the title of the book is all about singing and making music. That's amazing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing one another in all wisdom. By the way, admonishing means kind of in the same way that your mom really encourages you to clean up your room minus the anger and violence. Admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So throughout Scripture, you see this this theme of using music and instruments to worship God. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Psalm chapter 150. Psalm chapter 150. This is the last psalm. It is right before Proverbs and right after Job, also spelled Job or pronounced Job for those who want to remain in the American pronunciation. What we're about to look at is a verse that oftentimes is never read in Baptist churches. We're about to see what the Bible says are appropriate instruments to use for worshiping God. Here's what it says in verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. You see how it's making much of God? Verse 3. Praise Him with trumpet sound. What's the next part of the verse say? Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Uh-oh. We just read the Bible. Praise him with strings and pipe. Now, weed smokers, that's not talking about. It's not talking about that. Speaking about instrument. All right. We talked about the weed smokers' favorite verse last week, right? Genesis 129. Every green herb I have given to you. But they don't quote the last part of the verse. It says for food. And we looked at if, if smoke is a regular part of your diet. Say, what are you having for lunch? I'm having smoke. You have a serious eating disorder. Verse 5. Praise Him with sounding or resounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now go back with me to verse number three. You see, it says there, praise Him with lute and harp. If you're reading the King James version, translates the psaltery and harp, and the New American Standard version translates it harp and lyre. This was, um, they said, the psaltery. From what we know, and by the way, it's very hard to put a pinpoint on exactly what these instruments were, but it had some type of like an elongated bottom, meaning. Um, that it was some type, possibly, the psaltery, a bass-ish instrument. Something that gave the bass. So we have here an acoustic bass. Now some of you say, it's Jeff, I don't want those types of things in um, worship God with. The Bible says... You see how sometimes it can get a little bit awkward if we say, what does the Bible say as opposed to what I feel? All right. Verse 4. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. The KJV and the New American, Translate, uh, New American Translation says the tambourine is a timbrel, which this was some type of percussion. So we've got a snare drum here. We've got tambourine. It was something, the timbrel especially, this was always associated. This is amazing. You know how today uh, a girl drummer may be somewhat of an oddity? There are more guys who drum than girls, by and large. You see that after the battle, there will... All of these women, going back with King David, these women would have the timbrel. This was kind of like a female instrument. So the ladies were very good at providing the percussion. Also says in verse number four praise him with strings and pipe. This can also be translated string instruments, or the King James translates the word or the, the pipe as organ. Now it's uh, ugab. In the Hebrew, and the only thing we know about is that it had pipes. Anything from, I don't know if it was Braveheart, you know, bagpipes, or, uh, or if it was something like this. Obviously, it wouldn't be something as big uh, as the modern organ because it was somewhat portable. But it's praising the Lord with pipes. And also in verse 5, it says, praise Him with what? Sounding cymbals. Now, we're going to have to work on this we've got about a three or four inch symbol. Fred did help me find this before church. But the phrase here refers to literally symbols that are played loud. In fact, some versions even translate this resounding symbols. Have you ever heard a gunshot through a valley? All right. You know, that, that, that sound kind of just, it just rolls like a bowling ball. The Bible says to praise God with loud, resounding symbols like one of the top ten verses never read in Southern Baptist churches. What else does it say? It says in verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now I'll ask you a question. If everything in creation has been created for the glory of God, if we were created to bring God glory and to love Him and for us, Him to love us, then don't you think that it makes sense if all of creation is pointing towards the glory of God? Doesn't it make sense, and you see this in the Bible, to put together some wood, some strings, some glue, and get something. And uh, Brother Buddy Worley, we're in Franklin County. Some of y'all didn't see this. We've got a banjo right here for some of y'all. This will just get you up and crazy. Y'all are jacked now. You just saw a banjo. I mean, whatever it is, man, to put those things together, to use in a way that brings glory to God. Now, some people say, Jeff, I, I only like boring music. That's it. All right? It's not boring, I don't like it. All right, you're boring. But regardless of any of our musical preferences, is it about what we like? Is it about what Jeff likes? Let me just do a little survey. How many of y'all like bluegrass music? Like, you think it's good, all right? Bluegrass. Okay? How many of you guys like, like soft rock? Okay? we got any hardcore rockers in here? Alright. Any people into uh, any rappers? Okay. Anybody into um, polka? Alright. We've got counseling after the service for those of you. So you see what I'm saying? You see all the hands in here? I mean, it, there's so many. How many of you like country? Alright. Okay. How many of you guys like contemporary Christian worship? All right, how many of you guys like, uh, like like older songs? Like older songs. Okay, you see, the, the, it's all over the place. So, here here here's what the Bible's trying to caution us from getting into. From trying to make everything in a service be like we like it. Because you know what? There's some types of music that I'm just really not, you know, really into. It's, it just doesn't do much for me. But if the words are good, if they communicate the gospel, and if the people sing that, going back to our first aspect there, if they're full of passion and they're praising God, then how can I judge them for that? You see? How can I not be drawn into worship God as well with that? So, And two, if you've been in church for a long time, this is such a freeing principle to just say, God, whatever Your Word says, I'm going to do it. Amen. And you don't have to be worried about dragging those chains of what I want. It's like, you know what, Lord? If You can do it and it's biblical, I'm all for it. Now, it did mention something there over uh, in, let's see, which verse was it? In verse number four. Praise Him with tambourine and what? And dance. Here's the question. Say, Jeff, is it okay for... Is, is dancing okay? Uh, if you're white, probably not. <laughs> but honestly, we've got to make some distinctions here. Okay? Old Testament dance through worship was not what you see on MTV. Okay. Bumping and grinding would have been a, a public disgrace. Would have been considered immoral. A lot of what we see in American society as dancing, that's not the type of dancing that they did back then. See, so, you now, Jeff, what about me and my wife to have a slow dance? I think if you're married, you need to dance with your wife. And if you don't have game, go buy yourself a CD. We're going to talk about that next week. You know, manhood and, and In that aspect, I don't want to get into that right now. But we've got to be very careful that we don't impose modern standards on Old Testament truth. Okay? Dancing was not a time for you to go shake your stuff. Just being honest. It was not a time to go try to make ladies, to go try to make guys lust after you. Guys, it was not time for you to go and try to get contact that's going to cause you to lust. All right? That's not what it was for. In fact, King David, one time he was so thankful to God, it said that he danced to the Lord with all of his might. Now, this was not a sissy man. This was a guy who kind of made his renown. Like what put David on the map is he killed a giant, and then he cut off his head. Right? Here, I'm David. I'm here to apply for this job. One of my things that I killed a giant with a sling, and then I chopped his head off. You ready to hire me? He was not a wussy, weak guy. But it said David danced to the Lord with all his might. And then his wife was the one watching him and she criticized him and God judged her for that. And you know what David said? He said, I will become even more undignified than this. You know, sometimes we put in the term reverence, we have this prideful self-respect, don't we? That we want to be remain very proud and people to think good about us. By the way, I may be a little bit too American, but I don't know how that would work out in the context of a modern church. But, you know, maybe a Buddy Whirly, Jack Strickler duo dance, I'm not sure I could be along with that. You know, that'd be kind of a little bit uh, distracting there. I remember one time uh, in in Florida, there was a lady in church, and she was not all there. And uh, she, we had seen this Jewish song, Jehovah Jireh. You ever heard that? Da, 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 da So we we're singing that and all of a sudden she just she busts out into the aisle. And she she's she's doing this. Da, 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 da. I mean, she's got those wind pants, man. Like Nacho Libre, it was just terrible. You know, she was she was shaking it all down in the aisle, and I was like, oh my goodness, I did. I thought I was gonna have oxygen. It was terrible. And I, don't, but you know, the song leader just went from this to kind of like this, like Lord, help me hold it together. Jesus, take the wheel. It was so distracting. And by the way, if you have not known. Every church has crazy people. And she let everybody know who was who that time. It was incredible. But you say, Jeff, is dance an appropriate way? If it's done in, in the Holy Spirit and in a way that is honoring to the Lord, that's not provocative or, or distracting in any way, the Bible says that dance can be a way of worship. Once again, if that makes you mad, that's what the Bible says. Jeff didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. Where did we get that? Help me out from the Bible. All right. There's all sorts of instruments mentioned throughout the Bible. The lyre, the harp. This is really cool. The Aramaic word, which part of the book of Daniel is written in Aramaic, it is the word ketras. Now, somebody tell me what that kind of sounds like. Ketras, ketras. It's where we get our word guitar from. It was a string instrument. Once again, I'm absolutely amazed at some people who say, well, I don't think that we should use guitars in church. Now, we understand the church is not the building. Amen, folks? It is what? What is the church? It is us. It is the ones who have been saved by Christ. So if we say the phrase, use it in church, that would be kind of strange to you know, do open heart surgery and play your guitar down in the cavity of your chest. That's what we're saying. It's insane. But if the Bible says it, that, we, then we should do it. Uh, Solomon, actually, in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, it said that he had written over 1,000 songs, 1,005 to be exact. Music is a huge part of people's lives and worship. In fact, if you meet a person today, uh, really any age, especially the younger they are, one of the first introduction questions is what? What type of music? That you listen to it's an amazing part of people's lives. So not only should we sing with heartfelt passion, we should sing songs with biblical truth. Notice the next phrase there. It says in Psalms and hymns. Now this word hymn is also a transliterated word. It goes back to Psalm chapter forty, verse three. I would encourage you to write this down because in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word. So it's hymn in Ephesians chapter five, and it's hymn in. Psalm chapter 40, verse 3. Here's what it says. He, speaking of God, has put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Wow! Have you ever heard someone say, I don't like praise music? Do you not like to praise the Lord? Not that you have to have something on the CD cover that says praise music for it to be praise. All right? You can praise the Lord with old, old, old school music. You can praise the Lord with newer music. But it says the word in the Old Testament is hymn, and yet it's translated a song of praise. So whenever we sing our hymns, you know what we're singing? This is what the Bible says. If our hearts are right, when we're singing hymns, we're singing songs of praise. And sometimes people will say, now Jeff, I don't like new music. Well, do you like hymns? Most people say yes. Well, all old hymns were new at one time, weren't they? We say that again. Every hymn that we have in the hymn book was new at one time. That's why the Bible says, sing unto the Lord a new song. If you're here today and... You say, Jeff, I don't really care much of what we do in, in this worship setting, but I just want to listen to my music. Let me ask you a question. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, is there enough gospel in your music that a lost person could lead their re- lyrics and come to faith in Christ? Are we singing truth or are we singing error? Because if you're like me, sometimes I could be driving down the road, something comes on the radio, and I just begin to sing, and then the Holy Spirit's like, Jeff, what are you singing? And I realize I'm singing something that goes contrary to what the Lord says is right. Third, in verse 19, Holy Spirit power. We ought to sing our songs with the power of the Holy Spirit. It says in spiritual songs. Now, there is another Greek word for dead music. It was for funeral music. And that word was threnos. All right. Notice that the Apostle Paul does not use that word here. Why would the Apostle Paul not use funeral music, say, sing funeral music to each other? Because Jesus is not still dead. Amen? Jesus is alive. So if Jesus is alive, our music ought to be music of passion and of truth and of love towards God. I went to a youth camp last summer and they were showing different Christian videos and such and there was a, a pastor there who told his students... He said, I know they're singing some of this new music here, and the, the words were so amazing. They were so full of truth and Bible. He said, I told... And this is what he said that really let me in. They were watching a, a Lecrae music video. And he said, he, he said you're the speaker, right? I said, yes, sir, I'm, I'll be speaking. He said, well, just to let you know, I don't know what they're doing showing that video of that black boy. Little indicator, y'all with me? the a pastor. I don't know what they're doing showing that video of that black boy. Why, why do you have to mention... Mention that, see. So I told my students, I said, Don't do anything in this so called worship service that you wouldn't be comfortable doing back in our home church on a Sunday morning. Now a lot of times I think things but I don't say them. I'm maybe glad that I didn't say it. He didn't sound like he was wanting to carry on dialogue, but I wanted to say, sir, are you telling them they shouldn't worship? Because in some churches, let's just be real, it's very difficult to worship. The Word is not preached, and the music is dead. By the way, if you ever want to make a dead church, here's what you do. You have dead preaching. You have dead preaching. You say, Jeff, what is dead preaching? It means preaching. You don't have to get loud. You don't have to run around like I do. I'm not saying it has anything to do with style. But it just comes out of a heart that is not stirred by the grace of God. And then you have dead music. You want to make a church dead? You can do that. It's a pretty good way. Say, well, Jeff, how should we sing our songs? Finally and very quickly, there in verse 19, it says, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. This means that we should sing with all our heart. The songs that we sing are filled with truth. We ought to sing that with all of our hearts. Singing in your heart. Now, you may want to write this down. This is a very helpful note, especially in regard to these instruments that we have. The word here, making melody, is the verbal form of the word song. So if the word song means to pluck or strum a stringed instrument, what it's literally saying is play a stringed instrument in your heart. If your heart music is bluegrass, play bluegrass in your heart to the Lord. If your musical style is contemporary or traditional, in your heart make music to the Lord. And it is a matter of the heart. Amen? To sing with absolute gratefulness. Notice verse 20. This is an amazing verse. Giving thanks always. Giving thanks always. Always giving thanks and for everything to God the Father. That means that when we sing, it ought to be something to say, God, I am Thank you. I'm singing out of my heart. This could be in your car, at home, or here. Just say, God, when I sing these words and they resonate with my heart, I'm saying thank you. And finally, there in verse 21, that we should sing with utmost humility. That we should not look around. Have you ever been sitting by somebody in church and their heart's in the right place, but their voice isn't it? <laughs> you know, and they're just trying, they're squeaking and they're scratching. And I never understood growing up in church. Sometimes they would let people sing up here who couldn't sing at all. They say, Well, her heart's in the right place. You're like, I know, but we're all, you know, thrown off. So if, if you if you can't sing, guess what? It's okay. All right? If you're sitting next to somebody and they can belt it out, let them belt it out. You squeak it out. It's all right. The Bible says to make a joyful noise to the Lord and do it with humility, not to be thinking about, you know, is the pianist playing the right way or any of the. No, just sing out of humility. You say, Jeff, could there ever be a day to where Christians in the West lose their privileges of open worship? I don't know. Maybe. Could there be a day to where we have to meet in homes? We don't have a piano. We don't have any of these other instruments. We don't have our huge loud clanging cymbal. We don't have a drum and on a tambourine. We don't have an organ. In Acts, the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas had been thrown into jail. They had been stretched out on a rack, in a sense. They were put in stocks. And they were beaten until they bled. And about midnight, how would you have felt? You were there all alone. You had been thrown in. You had been beaten unmercifully. It says they began to pray. And they began to sing. Let me read it to you. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise. Hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly in verse 26, there came a great earthquake and the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Here's what the power of worship is not. The power of worship is is not any of these instruments that we have here or any that we could bring in. But what truly is the power is the Holy Spirit in our heart. And God heard them singing broken, scratchy voices at midnight. And He chose to come and do what Elvis later called jailhouse rock, but with a pure motive. He broke open every single door there and broke the chains. And guess who ended up getting saved? The jailer. The very man who was in charge of beating them. So praise and worship is all a matter of the heart that has been changed. So the question for all of us, whether you're a member here or not, has there ever been a time in your life where you've been saved? Where Jesus has washed you clean and He's forgiven you of your sin? If not... We're asking you to do that right now. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you may have a weight of guilt on your heart and your conscience right now. Just in this moment, just say, God, I need you to forgive me. Just give your heart to Christ right now. Ask Him to save you. If you need to, You're a person who's been saved, but you've never been baptized, but you want to do that. We're asking that when we give the invitation that you simply get up out of your seat and walk forward. And by doing that, you're saying, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to get baptized and let everybody know where I stand. If you're here and you need to join this church, we ask you to come. If you want to be saved or if you've gotten saved during the course of this message, we ask that when the invitation is given, that you get up out of your seat and you come down. And By doing that, you're not saying this walk saves me, but I'm ready and I'm committed and I am not ashamed of the gospel. Father, would you help us during this time of invitation? In Jesus' name, amen.